Hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, Bengals lost the Super Bowl. How you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm not suicidal. <laughs> so okay. we'll leave it That's at that. That's good. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Okay. Well, and then I think, I think that there is a potential for the episode to, you know, really, really balm the wounds. That's uh, right. As it were. Right. Because or, or, are, or, or dig into it. Totally or dig right. into it. Right. And, right. And, and you know what? Um, it really, it has to be both, doesn't it? It has to be both, right. You, it has to be both. You can only bomb by digging in, and that is uh, what we're going to talk about today when we discuss Beyond the Pleasure Principle. This is a, uh, a seismic text uh, for Freud. Uh, it changes, um, in, on the one hand, it changes everything, but on another hand, this is sort of what we're going to talk about, is that he finally has to confront... Uh, that which he has been uh, like had theorized already, and right. so it's right. it's very interesting for that reason. Um, it's also uh, there there aren't that many Freud texts that have like a like a story like a narrative like around them and then within them. Uh, I, I think and and this one does and it's uh, it's pretty fascinating. It's short. This is either a short book or a, or a long essay. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I think it's a short book. Yeah, I mean, just because it's so monumental, right? Like, is there is I'm tempted to. I think. I mean, he thinks interpretation of dreams was his great book, mm-hmm. and he continued to think that 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 is not my position. My position is this is the great book. Yeah. 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 Well, so. this 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 uh you know he went back there like if you um readers of the standard edition uh you, you will know what well, this one of I said this a long long time ago but one of the things that uh my favorite things about Freud is that as his thought developed he went back to his earlier works and added things so all these notes all over the place note added 1905 note added 1918 note added 1919 note added 1920 any note added after 1920, here's a nice little uh, mental heuristic, uh, is under the influence of the drive. Right. Like whether, whether it's references it or not, uh, that's what's at the, the heart of this. And that is what uh, is Freud's big discovery uh, in Beyond the Pleasure Principle. But we move a little too quickly. A little too quickly. Uh, yeah. A little too quickly. We need to tell the story. May I tell that's the story, right. Todd? Tell the story, yeah. I'm going to tell the story. So you reference interpretation of dreams. Uh, as as the big work, and Freud thinking that it's the big work, and something happens, nineteen in uh, you around nineteen 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 twenty. Um, so Freud in to to simplify a huge book that has a lot going on in it. Um, to, to be reductive just for the present purposes, uh, Freud's theory of dreams is that it is the fulfillment of a wish. Now, not in a Disney way where it you know Todd a dream is a wish your heart makes not like that <laughs> a dream a dream is a wish your unconscious uh subjects you to we'll put it put it that way and uh that in you know in that work one of the ways I like to phrase it is that like you know Freud starts from the position of like a dream is a movie he didn't say that like this but uh, he could have uh because film had been invented but a dream is a movie that plays in your head and you're the only audience Right. And they don't make sense. They don't make sense to you. And he just starts with that. Like, why? Like, why? 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 How, how do I make it make sense? What's what's going on in, in, in this? And, and, and how can what can we do uh, with this window 
into the unconscious that we see in, in dreams. Is it a window to, you know, yeah, the answer is yes. And how much can we take from it? And people get hung up a, a lot on uh, the content of the dream, but what really fascinated Freud, and this is, um, I think this is, this is our position. It's certainly um, Zizek's position. He writes this in a lot of different places is the form of it. This is very hard to remember dreams, but like, if you remember like the shape that it took, that there's something, there's something there. Right. So now, the dream, what Even he calls now. the dream work, right? Like the, right. not neither the latent content nor the manifest content, but the transition from the formal shift from one to the other. Yes. Yeah. Right. Very, yeah. Awesome. And, and excellently put uh, uh, the, in this, so this is what, this is what he thinks about dreams. And he also, at the, at the time he, uh, even in interpretation of dreams, there's a line somewhere about um, anxiety dreams. And he writes that, they still fulfill the wish to sleep. Right. So that's, so that's what he, he's, that's his position at the time. And then uh, World War I happens. Can I just say one we'll, little thing ahead, about yeah. the dream? Well, it's, it's fascinating how, so there's a little discussion of anxiety dream, but there's precious little about the nightmare, right? Like yeah, precious little. And for most of us, I think we would say, the main kind of dream we're consumed with is the nightmare. So that's just mm-hmm. an interesting fact. And I think what we're going to talk about today would, if he went back to interpretation of dreams, which he doesn't after 1920, because mm-hmm. it would require too much revision, uh, he would be able to explain the nightmare much better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, you you might say that uh, Freud begins his uh, his career begins with the dream and then it transitions into the nightmare. Yeah. Like yeah, if, if you wanted really to good. split, yeah. yeah. If you want to split the, uh, you know, do, do you know this? Um, the, the, sometimes people do this with, uh, Shakespeare's at the, um, the earlier, the earlier work, uh, the line is a little bit harder to understand, but the meaning is more direct. And then later after the scientific revolution, the line is more direct, but the meaning is harder. Like that's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we have, so we have something similar going on with, uh, yeah. with, with, with Freud. So, um, so let's move into the nightmare, step away from the dream into the, the, the dream is over. We move into the nightmare. And, uh, as I say, uh, world war one happens and Freud, who, you know, was really a doctor, um, had, uh, you know, patients come to him and tell him, uh, they kept having the, the dream uh, like the soldiers in the war, they would keep having this dream of like a friend of theirs dying, something, some kind of trauma. Uh, and, and, and it continues to happen to them. And, and again, th- these, these are the things that, that Freud thinks is that again, a, 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 a dream is a fulfillment of a wish. Uh, and also he's convinced, and this is a very important thing about this text is he tries again and again to appeal to the science of the time, uh, biology, and 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 what he is wrestling with in this text is the idea that uh, he's been convinced, and I think most people today are convinced that the body is a homeostatic organism, except when right. it isn't. Um, yeah. But he, he's trying to make sense: why would the body continue to do this to subject uh, someone to the same thing? over and over again to, to their, to their detriment. What, right. what does, and, and it even conflicts with his, some of his own terminology, such as the pleasure principle, which very, very quickly on that, um, pleasure principle, uh, has a, a relation with something else called Todd 
reality principle. Right. And the, the, uh, the idea here is that, um, the pleasure principle is like whatever it is that you do, uh, that you find pleasure in, it needs to be extended. And so like, you might That's say That's the reality like, principle. Well, oh, right. Right, and it works in this, yeah, yeah, in this way. Well, right, right. but isn't so, the pleasure principle, I mean, what's, I mean, the reality principle wants to extend the pleasure principle, but the, the pleasure principle is about the, I mean, what's, what's weird about his definition of pleasure, isn't it, that it's about the elimination of excitation, mm. right? That, you know, that, that, that you get pleasure not from building up tension, but from, mm. and it, and it, you know, obviously the, you can obviously think of the sexual act, right? Like you build up right. tension and then the pleasure comes with the release of the tension. So, and, and the reality principle just tries to extend that out further. So I think that it's interesting how even his conception of pleasure, there's a little something kind of counterintuitive about it, right? Like yeah. it kind of cuts against the way we usually think of pleasure as something's exciting to us. Actually, for yeah. him, pleasure is the diminution of excitation, the letting go of it, you know. You know what's really fast? This will probably be interesting only to you, so I apologize, listeners, but um, Joan thinks what the reality principle does is just what the pleasure principle does, and it's just it's just the pleasure principle. I don't understand. So she thinks that there's <laughs> no difference she, between the two? She just, she just thinks that the p- pleasure principle is that pleasure should be extended. So she doesn't give much truck oh. to the idea of reality principle. Interesting. Yeah, that's, Interesting. that's her idea. That's why I, that's why I phrased it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's Freud's idea. So no, no, yeah. I, I think yeah. you're right. I, I think his idea is like the pleasure principle is the diminution of, of excitation, just like, like, okay, sex act. But I always use the example of the roller coaster, right? Like you mm. go up the hill, you build up the tension and then you go down, you get the pleasure of the release of the, of the tension, right? Like yeah. that. So I, I think that, but I think you're right. Like he even, there's this great line where he says, just what you were talking about, about the traumatic war neurosis, right? That, that mm-hmm. he says, anyone who, what does he say? It's like anyone who thinks it's self-evident that dreams should take you back to a trauma has totally misunderstood the nature of dreams, right? Mm. Like, so, yeah. so, so he, he, he really, I think you're right to say he's really in it, this, this experience has put him in a real bind because it's cut so much against his, and that's why I think you're right to start the episode with interpretation of dreams. Cause it cuts so against his theory of the dream, right? Like that, yeah. like why are these dreams not providing pleasure, not following the pleasure principle, but instead actually like causing an increase in excitation, causing yes. a, a, you know, a overwhelming stimulus rather than a diminution of stimulus, which is pleasure. Right. And then, the, and this two things are very important here. So this designates for him a beyond of the pleasure right. principle, which is why we had to define it and talk about that. Cause I think that usually no, like it's such a, a taken for granted concept of his, uh, you know, when, whenever, I think I don't know that I've ever read people talk about the pleasure principle when writing about the beyond the pleasure principle. It's just like a, a thing that happens in uh, in our line of work. It just gets like it, it gets either like assumed or taken for granted because what we, what we want to talk about is the beyond. But it's right. important. To, oh, it's to a, men- 
Right. It's yeah. incredibly important. He even begins the whole book, right, with, the, I mean, the very first line is about the pleasure principle, right? In the theory of psychoanalysis, we have no hesitation in assuming that the course taken by mental events is automatically regulated by the pleasure principle. That's first yeah. line first line. beyond the pleasure principle. So, right. yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like, if you don't have a sense of what pleasure principle is, then you're not going to understand what beyond the pleasure principle is or death drive right. is, because that's basically yeah. what he's theorizing as beyond the pleasure principle. And what's interesting is that that the event you talked about is the is crucial, right? Like this mm -hmm. veteran's returning and then he's trying to cure them and mm -hmm. they they end up having these dreams about the traumatic incident itself and that he can't understand that. And then and he, this, I just want to yeah, interject very, yeah, very sure. quickly. He's really, really clear. Uh, it's a great insight from him. These are not memories. These are like, um, I forget which, which page this occurs, but like they're not remembering something that happened. It's like the thing that happened is alive and is happening again. Right. That's, right like a, a, and it's a very very important point like in these dreams it's not not a memory of a thing not like recalling a sunny afternoon or salad days by uh sam peckinpah uh you know like <laughs> anything like that it's like it's the it's the the, the it's a re-trauma so anyway yeah please, please well continue. i mean which i mean i think that's a point that can't be underemphasized, right that that and that's why for freud like every time you have the dream you re engage the trauma. You're not just remembering yeah. the trauma. Important point. And also in it's psychoanalysis, fresh. sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, sorry. No, just that it's fresh. That was it. Fresh, right. And in psychoanalysis, same thing, right? Like nothing, doesn't he say nothing can be killed in effigy, like, or in mm, absentia, nice. right? Like you have mm -hmm. to actually repeat the very event in the psychoanalytic uh, session in order for it to be to get some purchase on it. So I think that that again mm -hmm. like both things are the same point, right? That you're not you're not just oh, let me just tell you my memories and then we can <laughs> right. talk about those memories and then you can go out and everything'll be fine. No, you have to actually like freshly it's a good word by you freshly mm -hmm. engage them, right? And they get both in the traumatic mm -hmm. sense and in the like the attempt to deal with the trauma. So I think that's really really important. So that's the that's the first thing, right? The the first mm -hmm. the first event that troubles the pleasure principle in this narrative that he's telling. Again, the, mm -hmm. the book is it, it's it reads almost like a novel, right? Like he's going from really one does. thing to yeah. another, and 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 mm -hmm. and it, it's so it's one of the most genuinely a work full of genuine doubt that I've ever read. Yes. Like just just constant expressions, like. You know, I'm being very speculative here. I don't know. I'm not sure. If you don't want to follow me, I totally get it. You know, he's yeah. just like anyone who thinks Freud is this dogmatic thinker, you just had have to think he's just acting in this book, which it, yeah. it's clear that he's not. It's clear that he's racked with doubt himself about this concept. Anyway, the next thing that he gets to is interesting. I, I, I'm not sure why this is true, but it's mm -hmm. the most famous part of the book. Right, like this, this game that he sees right. his grandson playing. This is the next mm -hmm. episode. This Fort Da game. Fort meaning mm -hmm. here, Da meaning gone or there, mm -hmm. and and you know, it, it and 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 Freud says this great thing about about the object, right? Like he says that that so there's the game is like you make the wool go away and then it comes mm -hmm. back, and then he says this this amazing thing, and this is. Uh, you know, right, this is early on in the book. He says the first act, which throwing the spool away, 
was staged as a game in itself and far more frequently than the episode in its entirety with the pleasurable ending. So isn't what he's saying is that the actually losing the object was repeated and and was satisfying or enjoyable to use our our vocabulary in mm-hmm. a way even though it wasn't pleasurable right like that's yes. what he's and i think that really is crucial but then what's fascinating is he he interprets this he just like he does the traumatic neurosis, like he he mm-hmm. interprets this, he like gives it a pleasure principle reading, right? Like he just says, right, it's like, right, well, right. the kid gets, the kid clearly is getting some kind of mastery over the situation and that's probably right. why this is going on. So, so he leaves this example mm-hmm. with the pleasure principle intact and that's why I think it's, don't you think it's weird that a lot of people use this as an example and they explain death drive as, the drive to gain mastery through repetition. Right, right, right. <laughs> Which is Which, like, yeah, go ahead. Oh, just to to be clear of why Todd's laughing, uh, you know, it, in, in case you're listening to that and you don't know why that, why this was like one, one time there's a, a tea shop in Burlington and I was listening to, to the people like overhearing the two people who work there just talking like, oh, I was at, I don't know, some like, corporate tea place like Tivana or whatever this person was saying was like was that Tivana and they were uh there was an oolong tea they were making at 158 degrees and I was like oh yeah that's really funny I have no idea what you're talking anyway in case you don't know why why this should be funny like explaining this in terms of pleasure principle that like oh yeah Fort Dawes about mastery um this entire book What's uh, just to to put this here at um um what not sure what minute mark I guess we're after like fifteen minutes or so, uh the death drive is a subversion of mastery right is is it makes it not possible and it's it I think part of why this uh, this text gets I, I don't want to say misunderstood I, I think I think misrepresented is because what's not represented is that Freud is working through his right. his own right. idea and is struggling struggling i don't want to talk about the team struggling uh he's struggling to accept it um right and right. there's no there's no better line uh than uh, it's on page 55 uh he puts it in italics there might be such a thing as primary masochism a possibility which I had contested at that time, and he's referring to something in 1912. Uh, he's still contesting it. Uh, we'll, we'll like explain that a little bit more, but like yeah. uh, a little bit later. But like, it, it's it's a uh, the first the first section about the soldiers, um, and then the second section about like his grandson playing Fort Da. Um, it's it doesn't very, convince him, right? It doesn't right. It doesn't. And what 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 we need to take from you use the word episode, which I really like. The first two episodes. What you need to take from this, as a, like as a reader and as a listener here, uh, is why do do these dreams conti- continue to re-traumatize afresh the uh, the the dreamer, the, the the soldiers, and why does the the child continue to play this thing? It's not to master; it's that mastery is not possible, and it's an urge to attempt to master the trauma after the fact for that, which one could not have been prepared for before. And this attempt fails, Fails. but we are encouraged, uh, uh, perhaps it might be the way of putting it like, or or not encouraged is not, not strong enough, compelled, impelled to do this because of the drive, uh, which 
is throughout this text a thing that like it, it does it does feel to read it like like he doesn't even want to say this as a possibility. Right. Because he, doesn't he doesn't want to know. say it. Right. Like he's like, yeah. how can I reconcile these events with my old standby, steady concept of pleasure principle, right? Like he just wants to, he's like, can I just make them fit in? And then, and then the one that like tips the wagon over is Mm -hmm. the negative therapeutic reaction, right? Like, so he gets, it's the absolute resist, like people, he's like, okay, I got this person on the verge of getting cured. They're going to be out of there. Everything's Mm going to be fine. And then they just revert back to the old problems. And his, and, and his point is that's, that's the thing, even more than those first two examples, that's the thing that, that, that resistance to psychoanalysis itself, mm-hmm. he thinks is an instance of, is, is, is for him, and again, just for him, because he thinks it's still in doubt, the confirmation of something like a death drive. Right, like a yeah, and, and we should say we've said this many yeah, times, yes. but that the, have, the, yeah. that 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 uh, the term in the standard edition is death instinct, and it's the, mm-hmm. the it, it's it's completely incorrect translation because it's the German word is trieb, and the German there's also a German word instinct, which Freud doesn't use at all, except when mm-hmm. he's talking about uh, microscopic uh, animal life. Yeah. but 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 basically that. It's about a drive, not a, and, and and for him, this drive and and what's fascinating is he goes from this negative therapeutic reaction, then, and this is I again, I don't think this is people know this book, but I don't think they I don't think this trajectory or the narrative structure of the book is is <laughs> is comprehended enough that that he goes from the, he goes right into repetition. Right, like, mm-hmm. like, like, mm-hmm. His, and and he spends quite a bit of time on what he calls the repetition compulsion. Right, like yes. that's like that becomes, you know, in negative therapeutic reaction, repetition compulsion, and then this we are governed by a compulsion to repeat. That is for him. That's another name for the death drive. Right, and it's really important to like the. Uh, it's it's so it's un, it's unfortunate that um well I mean like he shouldn't necessarily he's he's discovering the drive he doesn't necessarily have to have the foresight of how his book would have been received but it would have been uh it would save everyone a lot of trouble Todd if he made it clear that actually this distinction between instinct and treeb that what he's looking at is instinct is that which confirms to biological necessity treeb is that which exceeds it. So drive, and that's this whole thing of the beyond the pleasure principle. It also puts pleasure principle, I think, retroactively in a more or less like normative biological position. Uh, right. Or, that, or, or, or do you think, I, I wonder what you would say about this or the position of you can be conscious of the pleasure principle. Yeah. Yes. I agree with that. Right. I agree with that completely. I, especially, I think this is the, um, I don't know when the last time we said this was, but I mean, certainly the position of, of this podcast, pleasure is conscious, enjoyment is unconscious. So right. ple- pleasure principle, I think you can, you can be consciously aware of that. And then the drive is unconscious. So you, 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 you can't be certainly, uh, after the fact perhaps, but not in the moment. Right. Uh, right. I mean, it's, isn't it fascinating how his conception of unconscious completely changes with this book, right? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. prior to this time, it's objects 
that we desire that are unconscious, right? Like, I yeah. think I desire my boyfriend or girlfriend when in reality I desire my father or mother, right? And that that sure. object is unconscious. And now mm-hmm. it's it's that the object is indifferent, right? Like it's it's the yeah. drive itself that's unconscious and whatever about the object, right? Like the like mm-hmm. there's even this notion that drive is radically indifferent to the object. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean and he even and again like I like I I, I think um again not enough can be pulled back to this he try he even he he's convinced he says that it's a drive it's in all organic life like what a grand statement but he has this um this evidence he talks about these like right these like schools of fish that that are observed that they don't leave to go and live uh where there are better resources they stay more or less where they were born even if it's to, to their detriment to be there and he just like he thinks about that and he just can't stop seeing that in human life and uh like y- y- you know sometimes I, I there i mean of course there are, there are complex uh economic factors at, at play here but like i think everyone has this notion of the stereotype of the like oh that's someone who never left home you know right. they never left their hometown like they know ne- and like that um is something it's it's a little bit in this book it's 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 it, he observes it he wants science to to explain a way out because what what will increasingly become the case is that if drive works in the way that he thinks it does that we have this uh, uh this compulsion to repeat that which does this injury or harm how can that be defeated how can that be cured Cured with analysis, and right? With analysis, right? Yeah. I don't wa- think it can be. Yeah. yeah, and and that's why he wants that. That's why he wants science to be the uh, sort of like perhaps to offer some some sort of victory here. Now, as as I um, have brought up a couple different times, and we talked about this a little bit in the Civilization as Discontents episode, the, that what Freud doesn't have because he's because he's he's if you want to have resistance to be the proof of analysis he's resisting his own idea right. um and it's not just here and and it's suggested earlier i will give two texts that we've uh, one we've talked about one we haven't um several episodes ago we talked about uh, retroactivity and i made a lot of how retroactivity figures in the project for scientific psychology which yeah. is a text that is not published uh, during his lifetime but it is written in 1895 same year studies on hysteria and what he uh, uncovers there is that trauma uh, arises in, for me, as in a series, uh, but more importantly for him is in this retroactive way. Um, right. And, and, and uh, it isn't so much like in, it isn't so much that one needs to repeat the trauma, but that trauma will always repeat. And so he's like, kind of in, 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 a, in a banal way, you'll be recalled to something back. Uh, were called back to something that uh, had been traumatizing earlier. He already had this idea in 1895. In three essays on uh, uh, theory of sexuality, he writes very famously, the finding of an object is always the refinding of it. And so it's like like these two pieces, and I'm sure that there are others, um, where he has uh, repetition, he has compulsion, uh, he has trauma, but they're not, all together and, 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 uh, the like indestructibility of it as an idea. I think that's the thing that he kind of pushes him into right. having to accept this, like the radicality of a thesis, uh, that has, um, roots 
in in earlier works. Yeah, I, I just think that, don't you think he's so tied to the idea, and he thinks it's radical, that we are driven by pleasure. That Like, yeah. he, he even says, here, this is in, in, like, I don't know, chapter three or something of Beyond the Pleasure Principle, where he says, we want to repeat experiences that never brought pleasure and never will, and that is shocking. Like, mm-hmm. he, he's shocked by his own discovery, right? Like that, that it overrides, like he just thought, I've got this pleasure principle down from looking at dreams and looking at jokes and looking at slips Mm -hmm. and uh, that Mm -hmm. I've got this down. So, and, and I've, I've kind of got the psyche down. I, I, I have a sense of it. And all of a sudden with this book, you're right that there are these presages of it, right? Like moments Mm -hmm. that, that, that foreshadow what he's going to, what he's going to come up with. But I think he I don't I think it really is a blow to himself, right? Like yeah. that it really like yeah. he, you know like Hillary once said to me, interpretation of dreams was a blow against all of civilization and then beyond the pleasure principle was a blow against Freud himself. And I I, yeah. I think that's I think that's yeah. really true. I think there's something that's really that's really right about that. I I agree. That's the yeah. I mean, the uh, referencing in um, uh, a difficulty in the path of uh, psychoanalysis when Freud says three psychic blows struck against humanity. The first by Copernicus discovering that we're not the center. Humans are not. The Earth isn't the center of the uh, the universe. And then Darwin uh, uncovering that we're not the chosen children of God. We're not the center of creation. And then his own discovery: ego is not master in its own house. And then this is Freud's not master of his own theory. I yeah. think is yeah. the, is the blow yeah. that's being, that's being yeah. struck. And, uh, because the entire idea of mastery is, is being, uh, blown up. I do think like, I think what he, he couldn't have seen at this time. And I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I've used this example on the podcast before. Um, is I, th- that the drive, I think there is a, there's a, there's a productivity to the negativity, and I don't yeah. think he was in a position to, to, to see it. And I think had he perhaps been, been able to, maybe he would have been able to have analysis help someone to, to sort of do that idea. But the, like the, the example that I like is when I interviewed for this job, you told me that you thought I was going to blow it because, because of the drive. And you, I just, I remember this so distinctly. I probably have told this story on the podcast before, but you were like, Oh, come on. You understand We've been doing the podcast for like I don't know for some year, a year or so already. Yeah, you're like you understand you understand psychoanalysis, uh, uh, okay? Like you you said it like that, like like you know, like as a joke, right? Like that the you just you'll you undermine yourself, and then obviously I'm here uh, in California, and so you did I got that. I, I yeah. did I no, but then I called you and said, hey, you understand psychoanalysis pretty well. You should have known. I didn't really want to leave the Northeast, so uh, uh, that's exactly why I would do well on the job interview. <laughs> And, and right, that's, a, right. that's a dimension of the, like, of the drive that Freud doesn't have a conception of. I don't, and I actually don't think it's generally out there, but I, I think that you combine this with, with an idea that I think he expresses elsewhere and earlier about being like being born too soon for something yeah. like yeah. that, um, that I, I think that's how the, I guess another way of glimpsing or looking at how the, how the drive works is that like you, you don't want to do something and because you don't want to do it, like the way that you undermine yourself is in a position where you have to. You, and you so end you up just, doing it successfully. Right. Yeah. So right. you are, you can, are continue, continually pushed into situations which you are really not prepared for. You're 
always born too soon again and again in different situations, right. uh, you know, so right. social, uh, relationship wise, uh, uh, job related, like whatever, like it's just you, that, that I think that's a dimension because it was just such a, it just struck the heart of, of all the, that he had written before. I just, I don't think that he was able to see like, well, how could I make this, how can I make this work? Yeah. 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 I think that's a, such yeah. a good point, right? Like that, that there is some, like he thinks of, he even gives an example of the way you repeat failed relationships. But yeah. what he doesn't see, even there, right? Like there's a way in which the relationship fails that itself can be successful, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. like a, there's a certain, you, you always find a relationship with a certain tension. And mm-hmm. maybe that tension is actually the thing that allows you to grow out of. I don't know, whatever, the original relation you had with your parents or something, right? Like, right. you know, so I think he doesn't see that possibility at all. And instead, mm-hmm. isn't it, I, I mean, I think we would both agree that one of the more lamentable, I mean, I don't, I don't think the biology part is lamentable at all because all he's no. saying is, look, I think what he's trying to do is, does biology contradict this idea? Uh, no. And no, so that's why, that's all I want to, <laughs> then, okay, we're yeah. fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a problem at all. And I think a lot of people, when they read this, they're like, oh, it's so naive biological. But no, I mean, that's not his point. Right. It's so mm-hmm. that I don't, I think that's, that's, a, that's not, that's neither here nor there. But I do think the, I think you would agree, the most problematic part is that when he wants to see something positive, mm-hmm. what does he do? He invents a countervailing drive, right? Like yeah. that, that is yeah. Eros which is this drive that holds things together, which will mm-hmm. lead him, you know, to end civilization's discontents with which drive will end up triumphing. And, and like, right. I think to myself when I read that, I sure to hope to God Eros doesn't triumph, whatever that is. <laughs> um, because, I mean, my, I think your claim too would be, it's like death drive is not the problem. The problem is the the retreat from death drive. And I think that, you know, so I, I, first we should talk about this dualism because I think that yeah, sure. really is a weakness of Freud's theorizing in this book, and he doesn't ever get rid of it. He even says, from the first, my ideas have been dualistic. Well, no, <laughs> they haven't, and they even yeah. aren't here if you followed your own thinking correctly, I, I think. Yeah, no, well, I mean, there's, like, I don't think it's a, it's not a dualist uh, uh reversal that has pushed him from saying in 1915 that masochism is inverted sadism to here beginning to acknowledge that masochism is a primary uh, psychical function, not a secondary, not a social thing that, that plays out uh, in, in, in the symbolic realm, but is, is primary in the psyche. That's not a, that's not a dualism. That's a, that's a dialectical reversal as as we would like to put it. Like, like that's a, um, and it, again, uh, you, you know how you can tell, you know how you can tell it's not a dualism and that it's a dialectical reversal is that he doesn't amend interpretation of dreams, right. as you put it, right. because well, it would well, require too, too much. It would be too much work, right? It would be too much yeah. work. It'd be, it, it, you know, I, I, I was saying to uh, a student of mine, Chapman Mattis, I was, I said to him, you know, somebody someday should rewrite interpretation of dreams on the basis of beyond the pleasure principle because yeah it would be i mean it would be a wholly different theory of dreams mm-hmm, you know because mm-hmm. it would it, it, well, it play would it have out. A, what play it out 
Well, I mean, I think it would, I mean, it would, for one thing, the nightmare would be, have absolute primacy. Yes. Right? So that's Mm -hmm. one thing, the anxiety dream, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, and I, I, I try to interpret my dreams in this way with this, and, and like whenever I create a scenario where something nice happens, where there's a discharge of pleasure, right? Mm-hmm. I look at the way in which, oh wait, there's I've I've snuck in some little self subversion mm-hmm. into the dream under the cover, and this is what I how I think you would play it out, right? Under the cover of pleasure, so. Even within the mm. dream, which of course mm. the dream is unconscious altogether, right? But even within the dream, the death drive sneaks in under the cover of pleasure principle. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that that that's how I would I would rethink the idea of dreams, right? And 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 I think that that you know, just to prove your point though, that 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 that, that it's really a dialectical reversal, and that and that his conception of death drive is dialogue. Like where is Eros for the first 50 pages of this yeah. book? Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just nowhere. And then it just, it's like a deus ex machina. He's like, this is yeah. too depressing. <laughs> we need this other thing in here. Uh, and so here comes Eros along to, to, you know, like Don Quixote to fight against the windmills yeah. because it's like, there's really nothing for it to fight against. Right. I, I don't know. And I peop- just, it, yeah. And people often position the the eros as the right. They say the life drive against the against the death drive. Eros against Thanatos. Todd McGowan is Thanatos a word used in this book? I don't think Thanatos. As far as I can tell, I've only read it you know fifteen, sixteen times. I don't <laughs> think Thanatos. I'm just sorry. I was <laughs> so pretentious. Um, <laughs> no, my point is that Thanatos does not appear in this book. Even though, my God, everyone who talks about yeah. eros talks about Thanatos and for, we should just not talk about Eros anyway. So that's, you know, because, <laughs> yeah. because even let's just take love, right? Like, isn't there a good death drive explanation for love? I think there, I think that, I don't think we need Eros to, to get the job done on that. Right. Like, isn't it's it? A, yeah. Well, on. it's, a, the, well, I mean, it's appearance. I mean, I think that if you read this, if you read this book, we're kind of, um, uh, I think, admitted, admittedly, well, I, I don't think this is an error of our approach, but, like, I, I think what we're saying is, um, like, oh, sort of like how the uh, the best way to, and this I, I mean as an absolute compliment, I do not mean what I'm about to say as a, as, as a dig, although you may hear it this way, it, like, the best way to read Gertrude Stein is to already have read Gertrude Stein, and then, like, to, you know, to read, like, no one yeah, should, yeah, yeah, yeah. No yeah, one should yeah. be reading Stein for the first time, it's just, like, too, it's, like, so alienating, Agreed, it's, like, I know totally all these agree. words, yeah. uh, but I've never seen them used in this way, it's just, <laughs> like, but, so, but, like, the second time, like, you know, you start to, start to see what she's doing. Um, and so we're kind of doing the same thing here, which is that like the best way to read beyond the pleasure principle is to have already read it and to, to sort of know, uh, what's happening. So like the, like the, of course, if you understand it in the meta way that we're trying to frame this book, um, of course he's going to invent a, 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 a drive, another drive. He's not going to accept as Lacan is insistent that there is only one drive and it is a death drive. Right. Like, uh, of course, he's he's going to try to find a way out of this and make it about uh, like competing drives for which you know like a uh, like a like a WWE match you know which there could could be a, a a victor and maybe it changes and you know you know that that there's some because what he wants is for there to be a possibility out and what he doesn't see is the kind of thing that I suggested earlier that that it is its its own way out it doesn't have to lock you in a it doesn't have to lock you in a circle 
it, it, it can, the circle can be expanded. Even if it has to, even if it has to move along in this same circuit, like it can push you into different places. Right. Right. Uh, and and, and it, I, it, he doesn't see that at, the, at this time. Right. Including, er, yeah. including erotic places. Yeah. Right. Like I think yeah. that like, are isn't the, isn't the best relationship that you're drawn to is the one that just like you were saying, like there's this positive dimension of death drive, right? So you're mm-hmm. drawn to this person that actually is undermining these conscious ways you have of taking pleasure mm-hmm. and nonetheless providing you with some satisfaction that is, you know, is, is correlate to your, to your drive. And I think that that's, you know, that seems to me to be that there's a pretty good theory of love that can come out of that. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I, I don't th- I, No, I think, I think you're right because it's, it's like, um, I think it's, it's, it's very easy. I put it this way. Like it's very easy to be in a relationship where the other person doesn't really see you like you, like, and it can seem like that's sort of a, like liberatory right. in a way, right. like, like you, like your, like your, your agency, like your autonomy is never really, uh, threatened because you're never, like seen by, by the other person and, and where like the idea suggested by psychoanalysis. And I I think especially by uh, Lacan, right. Is that like the, the you that is most you is extimate to you. And to have a partner who sees that that's very vulnerable and very, uh, and, and terrifying. I have to tell a story. This is so freaking embarrassing. I got to tell a story (laughs) Good, good. as an example of this last night. Um, Karen and I were, were starting to watch a TV show and it was like, I have this problem with, t- I think I've kind of mentioned this. I have a problem right now with a lot of television shows is that like, pr- like pretty much everything is like a B minus to a B plus. Yeah. And I just like, I just can't hook it up. Like it, it's, it's hard. It's hard for me to, to, to go to the new thing. And it's like, Oh, all right. So the show we were watching is called, um, the search party it started as a series on TBS. I thought it was pretty funny. Got some people I recognized that did good stuff, but it was like, it was like B plusy. Yeah. And Kara was trying to figure out were we going to like continue to watch the show because it was like five seasons of it. Yeah. And she looked up spoilers and then told me about them and uh, and concluded that like it wasn't really worth our time. And I think she was right about this. But I got really upset and I got upset. I started to like I started to say I don't know what I don't even remember what I said, but I just said the I just I said the wrong I said I was upset for absolutely the wrong reasons. And like, so we were on the couch together. We were doing separate things. And like 40 minutes later, she said to me like, Hey Ryan, I want you to know that I think what really happened is that TV means so much to you. And to you, I hurt TV. And that's why you were upset. And she was a hundred million billion fucking percent. Right. And I am so embarrassed that that's so childish. So well, no, no, I don't no, think it it's childish. <laughs> but I, what I like is that I think your point is right that the person, like the the person that you're in love with, can not respond to what gives you pleasure, and mm, that can yeah. be the perfect response, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, look, obviously, yeah, this no, can be yeah. a recipe for staying in an abusive relationship. Yeah, but for sure. Actually, I'm not sure though because no, I, I don't think, think so. I don't think that because I, I think, think the would, abusive yeah. relationship they give you the pleasurable thing while they're subverting your drive, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So I, I actually think that the abusive relationship works in the opposite. In the opposite, I it mean, it have to be most, worked it out. It seems the most yeah. obvious example of it 
Of, but it's exact. And in fact, that might have even been, I mean, it was because he talks about it. Like, yeah. that's what would convince Freud about the, oh, and, and he has to find a way out. And that's why he invents this other drive as this right. way out. But he doesn't see how, no, that abusive relationship is not a very good, is actually not a very good example. It's not a of, good example of, of, of death of drive. drive. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Because the really good example would be the person committed to confronting the person with their own unconscious drive, right? Which is like like that. And then, you know, and then so then that, then, then the real love relationship has that discomfort or disturbance at the, at the heart of it, I think. And I'm that, still discomforted that. Yeah, that's there, you I did. And she's, there you I go. I mean, it's still uncomfortable. There you go. Yeah, there you go. I think yeah, that's really, yeah. you know, it's just, but it's just fascinating to me how he's, he's, and, and of course it's like, this is the great revolutionary text. So he doesn't quite get what he's doing, you know, like, like 53 standard edition. He says, our views from the very first have been dualistic. It's Jung who's entirely mm. monistic. And I'm like, uh, yeah. no, it's actually the opposite. Jung is this yin and yang dualistic thinker. Yeah. You're the monistic, dia- I mean, monistic, dialectical, mm-hmm. dialectical thinker. And then yeah. he does this thing where you're right that this is the book where he really comes up against primary masochism, right? Like yes. prior to this time, he said sadism masochism is just inverted sadism. And and yep. from this point forward, he will be able to say the opposite. And then he mm-hmm. so that, that leads him to say this, how can the sadistic drive whose aim is to injure the object be derived from Eros, the preserver of life? Is it not plausible to suppose that sadism is in fact a death drive, which under influence of narcissistic libido has been forced away from the ego and consequently only emerge in relation to the object. So there, he's saying exactly mm-hmm. what you said, right? That mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that sadism is actually this reversal of masochism. But then, on the same page, he says masochism must be regarded as sadism that has been turned around upon the subject's own ego. So, so yeah. even here, mm-hmm. he doesn't, he can't quite go as far as he needs to go, right? Like he. He still is, he's like waffling back and forth. He can't fully embrace this, you know, he can't embrace the dialectic instead of the dualist. He can't Mm -hmm. fully embrace the primacy of some masochistic relation, right? He just, because it just, I think it just strikes him as too bizarre, too radical. And he just, he kind of pulls back from it. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. And we, we when we did the three episodes on um uh ego, superego and id, I think um if there was some way to I'm sure this does exist, but if there was some way to um to pin an episode at the top that was like, if you're new to the podcast, what's the episode you should listen first? I actually think it's the id episode. Yeah. Um and uh, and because what we what we do uh there is a line id with the position of the uh it's, it's the dialectical position and was pretty fascinating in his book uh like he doesn't uh he he doesn't get into the id like he he ignores um the the the, the, the it's dialectical function and i think like we're pretty consistent in the podcast is that like where where do we find error with freud it's where like he does he does where he thinks he's a dualist who really thinks he's a dualist, right? Like that, where he thinks that, you know, like that's the right, problem. Right, um, right. and well, isn't it funny that it isn't mentioned one time in this book either? No, I mean, never. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's funny. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, like he even like, it's not the next book cause the next book he does is a uh, group psychology, but the, um, what is, is the next major book that you go in the, yeah, I think it is end? probably the next major book. It's 23. So this is 20. Yeah. And, and there are a couple things about that. Like, don't you think that that book, I think, I think obviously I think there's incredible value in superego as a concept. And so that's mm-hmm. important, but I do kind of think that the structural theory and and the way in which people glommed onto that afterward and ego as the like ego psychology, mm-hmm. et cetera, mm-hmm. even still today. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I think it was a retreat from the concept of death drive, which doesn't really get mentioned there, which is again, fascinating, right? Like why doesn't super, like what is the really, I have an, I, my own idea, but what is the relation between death drive and superego, right? Like Freud yeah. never gives that. He never gives it. And so how, how did that not get into ego in the id unless he was like trying to get some distance from this disturb? I mean, he comes back to it in civilization's discontents, right? But, mm-hmm. but even there, he's talking much more about aggression. And, and it, we mm-hmm. should say that the, I don't know, half a lot of, of his, the followers within psychoanalysis simply just dismissed this concept out of hand, right? They were just yeah. like, yeah, it's this just, concept being it's, death it's, drive. It's nonsense. Yeah. Death drive yeah. is nonsense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the ones that accepted it save Lacan himself. So he's really the only one. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. primarily of Mel- Melanie Klein. Mm-hmm. Just take it as, okay, yeah, death drive, that's aggressive. There's an aggressive instinct, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you really miss the boat about this whole masochism thing if you think mm-hmm. that aggression is somehow like death drive is just aggression i think like that just misses entirely mm-hmm. what's going on with the with the concept i think so and so it, well and it yeah. doesn't it down doesn't it, it it's one of those things where um it kind of downplays it while seeming to take it seriously it's like ah yes well of course there's a primary aggressivity in the psyche. So you are therefore aggressive, uh, consciously in the social. And it's like, that's not then, then that makes it, it makes it one-to-one right? that like there's, there's aggression in the psyche, there's aggression in your symbolic behavior, but that's not, then that, that makes everything very conscious. Right. Uh, that's what I, I that's yeah. a great point, Ryan, because it, it's so easy to be conscious of our aggression towards others, right? Like, yeah, like it, yeah. it's not so hard, right? Like, because they deserve it. I mean, you know, <laughs> like that's what we think to ourselves, right? Yeah. Like, we yeah, think, no, no, like, no, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, like you know, of course, like that person in the department deserves all of my aggression, right? Like, so I don't have to, but I don't deserve it, right? Like, and yeah. why in the world would I be subverting my own projects? You know, I think I wonder what you think about this, but. My sure. sense is that Wells is the great, and not even Kane so much, right? Okay. Is the great filmmaker of 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 Death Drive. You know, like like mm-hmm. the like. I'm going to give an example, which is way Good. off. My 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 first example, my main example is, I guess, Touch of Evil, right? Like the mm-hmm. way Hank Quinlan, the main Wells character, is is absolutely just does whatever he can to destroy himself like he eats too much mm. he just does yeah. everything right so there's that but the one i'm gonna I, I wonder if you've seen this film called the stranger oh the uh, adaptation right uh no it's oh. not an adaptation of the camus it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a kind of a film he did for hire about a nazi hunter 
played by, I think it's played by Edward G. Robinson, and and Wells plays a Nazi hiding out in some small town in Connecticut. Well, that answer and, is no. I've not seen this. Okay, so it's it's most people think it's Wells's worst film, right? Okay, uh, and you're gonna make you're gonna make the claim. No, I, I don't. I don't totally disagree with that. I, I mean, okay. I think it's 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 one it's one of two, like of the worst. Um, okay, but but I think there's this amazing moment, and so there. So so Edward G. Robbins is ready to like give up. He's like, okay, this guy's like a respected figure in the town. He's clearly not the Nazi, and they're mm-hmm. all having dinner together, and 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 um, Wells himself says. You know, Germany is the only nation not to have a great thinker of liberty. And he goes, and this mm. just is, is just an indictment of Germany. as an, And so he's consciously trying to cover for himself mm-hmm. about the fact that he's himself a Nazi in hiding, right? So he's attacking Germany. And then somebody goes, I think it's the Edward G. Robinson character, goes, well, what about Karl Marx? And then mm-hmm. the, the Wells character goes, Marx wasn't a German, he was a Jew. And that... And then, so the, 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 the guy's ready to leave the town and he's like thinking to himself like, wait a minute, only a Nazi would say <laughs> yeah. Marx wasn't a German, he was a Jew. So it's like, what I love about that is in the very moment where he was trying to, all his conscious apparatus was geared around making this guy think this is not a Nazi because he's attacking <laughs> Germany for its, for its, you know, intellectual hostility to freedom, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And then he like, it's precisely at that moment that he, he like destroys himself. So I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just That's think good. like, like that, like just that little touch in the film, there's some other like filmically things that are pretty good about it, but uh, just that little touch, I think really, but I would just say that's true of, I think that idea is true of all, well, like even Falstaff, right? Like even mm-hmm. even chimes at midnight. He takes he do, he does it with Shakespeare. So I mean, maybe it's too easy with Othello and Macbeth, but but even with Falstaff, <laughs> he turns him into a figure like that. So I I don't know. I think that that's a to me that's a that's a like I would say that's almost the uniting thread in in Wells's filmic production that he has this sense of what Death Drive does. I to like us. it. Yeah, no, I think that's a great take. Uh, it's, and again, that's the this this <laughs> this this primary, like your example, I think is really good because that's not. I don't know that we would say that's aggressive, right? Right. Like, I don't think it's it, aggressive it, at all, right? But it's it's the drive. It's the drive, right? You know, and that's the and and I think that's the problem. You know, it kind of reminds me. I I've been um. Uh, I haven't said this on the show before or iterated this to you, but um, over the since the uh, global um, right wing turn, I I, I sometimes think in a very uh, uh, selfish and personal way. One of my first examples, I think the first thing that I have published, it's in um, that book uh, edited by uh, 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 Sheila Sheila, Kunkel, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, Sheila Kunkel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was thinking cinematic cuts, I think. Cinematic cuts. There we go. Yeah. and I have an example of the drive. And so obviously like this isn't the, like the, 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 the global right wing turn much bigger than me and my, my little <laughs> example in this thing. So that's, that's where it's selfish and stupid. But the example that I give, I think about this a lot and I think about how, how, what a change in politics is, is um, who remembers this now, but Mitt Romney, when he was running for president, the thing that submarined him was he was recorded at a dinner 
Yep. Um, I remember this very well. Yeah. You remember this very well. And yeah. what he said was that like there's 54% of the country doesn't want to work. They don't yeah. want to, they don't want to, they don't want to do anything. Uh, you know, I, I remembering even like some of the more specific things he said, but it was like he was recorded, the tape got out and then it like, it killed his chances to be president because he was an, he was trying to overcome this idea that he was like a, a financial elite, basically. <laughs> right. that, Do you know that you he, know? Had a, he had he had an elevator in his garage for his car? Ridiculous. Which should Absolutely have, ridiculous. That should have sunk his presidency itself. But yeah. but but it's the so but it because because he said that and it was in secret and I think like that was my example of like the drive in politics like that yeah. submarine his thing and then and then you think like oh my god like how much more worse things than that has. Trump said, or you know, Boris Johnson or whatever, who may have given the queen COVID, not him directly, <laughs> but the way that he's handled the, anyway. Right, so, right. um, and, and I, so I start to, I've, I've, I think sometimes like, boy, that's a, like what a quaint and, uh, and, and naive example, but I want to go back to it because I think what's, what's still good about it is that like, uh, when people, I, I sometimes see this online, people say like, we thought a political scandal was Mitt Romney saying this kind of like mildly elitist thing in like yeah. 2012. And then the things that Trump has said, like, it's like, we don't even look at it. And it's like, it isn't that he's, uh, that like Trump is somehow like immune to, to the drive. It's just that like, it's all conscious. Like there, there's nothing like, uh, all the things it's kind of funny. All the things that are recorded that are like the secret, uh, like Trump things are him being very reasonable. Like those leaked things from, uh, his, his interviews with, um, was it, was it Bob Woods, Woodward or Carl Bernstein? Which one was it? Woodward, I think. Yeah. It was Woodward. Okay. Well, yeah. It was Bob Woodward where he's talking about COVID and he's like, oh yeah, it's airborne. So, you know, it's really, it's hard. That's going to be hard to stop. Like, like he, he accepts the science in <laughs> like, like no one cares. So, so what's kind of funny, like this, this like conflictual thing is that behind closed doors are the things that he says are very reasonable right. and out right. in the world. It's just, it's outrageous, uh, racist and fascistic things. And people want that to be uh, like that, that to submarine him, but, but it doesn't. And it, it's, it's like, I don't, I, I don't know that I, that I totally have it, have it worked out, but it's like, the the distance between those two figures is like so great that like it couldn't submarine him and his right, appeal. Right, right. So, you know, whereas right. whereas right. with Mitt Romney, it was too close. It was like, oh, you're just trying not to be elite, and then behind closed doors at like a I don't know fifty thousand dollar plate like fundraiser, like you're you're being you're being elitist. So like, of course, that's who you really are. Whereas the distance is just so great with Trump that like the um. The, the either the, the like the behind closed doors reasonable things that doesn't uh, subvert him and the behind closed doors uh, subverting democracy well that's just part of what he says all the time so how right, is that right. how should no. how should that uh, so, uh, undermine or or, or, or uh, submarine his appeal and in that way again like all that stuff very very aggressive and I don't know that any of those uh, are examples of drive right I know all. that's a really like you're right that the Romney one is a good example of drive but are there Trump examples like it's possible that they're not, which is really yeah. fascinating, yeah. right? Like, I mean, yeah. we made the case for Trump as a figure of superego. Yes. And I think that's true. But I don't think, I'm not sure that he's, and I think everyone would say it, right? Like he's this figure of drive. He's just this mm-hmm. raw, fi- you know. But I I kind of don't think so, right? Like, isn't he, he's, mu- I mean, look, he clearly unleashes 
uh, I, I don't even know about that. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think you're, I was going to say something. I don't agree with, I, so, yeah, I don't, I think you're right. Like, I don't think, and I think what people like about him are things that you can be conscious of. Like, there's a kind of yeah. conscious pleasure principle, right? Like, we need yeah. to protect our borders. Pleasure principle. Like, that's not drive. Like, that's just no. pleasure principle, right? Like, I think that mm-hmm. there's, I, so I think that it's a really good point by you that, 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 that the way in which he satisfies the drive is super egoically, right? Yeah. It's not, yeah. in, not in this straightforward, that, I mean, the other thing is that he. Well, this he, is what makes him, I think this is what makes it so hard because what, like, your, your uh, nominally left of center, um, Democrats and institutions in this country and just, and really all over the world are, they want the like, Oh, look at this slip up. See, he admitted he knew about, it's like, Nope, doesn't matter. Like they, they, they want these things to be examples of drive, like the Romney thing, but they're not because it's, and, and like, yeah, like, because I, I, I think this is just right. Like, like he satisfies super egoic compulsion and uh, which is not something I, that, I think like Freud would have needed Lacan to have put yeah. compulsion on superego, right, but that's right. but that's I think that's it, that's a that's different manifestation yeah. of drive. That's right. It's a, yeah. it's a kind of a, yeah. a, a, a channeling of it to the to some kind of social demand or something, right? But mm-hmm. but uh, the only thing I would say is that the 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 where drive manifests itself is in. Rachel Maddow, Chris Hayes, CNN. Mm. I can't tell you how many times I've that guy George Conway, Kellyanne Conway's oh, yeah, right, husband. Right, right. He just wrote another article in the Washington Post a couple days ago. Now Trump has really had it. Like, like to me, to me, yeah. that's the great instance of drive. Like it doesn't matter how many times they're wrong in their prediction, they're gonna right. keep on making yep. the same prediction. Like Freud would have loved it. Like it's just it's just it's comedy. it's like I mean the drive is the source of comedy in this way, right? Like it just repeats yeah. the same thing and they don't even bother to change the like they could just change the date on those articles. Oh like, yeah, Trump has really had it this time, and uh, yeah, no, he hasn't. So I think that facing could be facing felonies, for felony how many times charges. Have I seen that right, right, yeah. right. How many right. times have I seen it? Yeah. I so so I think what the what the um what the trouble is is that like, um, our politics to this point. I mean, I, and I think this is a um a thing that is uh, I don't know if it's unique to fascism, but it, I think it is. It is something. When when you're talking about a fascistic figure, um, they cannot undermine themselves, like to to uh, their own supporters, and the the line of attack that is from the even the like from the from the liberal or the progressive side is like look at how he's it's incoherent. Look at how he's undermining the thing. He says he's going to do this, and then he doesn't do this thing, and it's. Uh, it's like obsessed with with the with this kind of um, rationality, and what it doesn't what it doesn't see is that the supporters are. I, I think this is what it is, Todd. Is that his support is on the side of the the drive. It is yeah, prime. Yeah, yeah. It is a prime. It is primary masochism, and so the media pointing out the ways that he is being sadistic to his support is just conti- It just makes the support uh, better, more fervent. Right. Right, it just right, solidifies it. It right, makes him more. Right. So it's it's not that he's some somehow the one human being who doesn't have death drive. It's just that like it, he is 
in our current moment, a figure with whom Death Drive is at the absolute basis of his appeal. Right. I, and, you know, it's, it's yeah. absolutely right. It's absolutely right. And it makes me think of the, the Totala Krieg, uh, the total war, uh, uh, speech that, that, that Goebbels gives, right? Like that, mm. where he said, he like goes on this, he like gets in this crazed and the, and the crowd gets crazed too. And he's like, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we've suffered a terrible defeat at Russia, at Stalin, but we're now going to, we're going to work 12 hours a day, 14 hours a day, 16 hours. We're going to give more and more. And, you're, and, the, and the people are going crazy and you're like, wait a minute, aren't you supposed to like promise them that war is going to end? It's all going to be mm-hmm, pleasure. Mm-hmm. But no, he doesn't, right? Like, no. so I think you're right that the fascist leader, like part of their appeal is the way they're is there beyond the pleasure principle, right? And yeah. and and yeah. and the left keeps responding with the pleasure principle. Yes. <laughs> like, look, we can we'll, we're going to build back better. We're going to we're going to give <laughs> right. you a lot of good things. <laughs> and right. people, right. look, this is not a this is not a this is not a slam on the masses because it's true of the elites as well. People don't want a lot of good things, right? Like mm. people want their the, the people want this subversion of the good things. And I think, and I mean, it's more, it's, it's so to me, it's more evidently true of these mm-hmm. idiots that like go up into space because they can't find anything to fail at on earth. Right. Like that. The, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, like, well, maybe I'll get blown up up there and at least I'll finally find some satisfaction. Like that's what they're thinking. To, I mean, that's their, that's the unconscious, the right? Drive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I think that it's like, to me, both in you're right in the reaction to the the fascistic figure and in these like elitist multi billionaires like the, it's to me it's most evident there right like that they're mm-hmm. like they 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 have they have they're like a surfeit of pleasure whatever pleasures they wanted mm-hmm. right like they could mm-hmm. any whatever sexual partners they wanted whatever they wanted right like they any devices <laughs> they wanted whatever they but it, they, that's unsatisfying, right? Like there's there's yeah. there, there's nothing there's nothing to go beyond the pleasure principle, so they have to go up into space or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah no, I think it's a it's a it's a great point. In our examples, and I think this is like this is a nice uh, a point to kind of like sew this together is that we um we make an like this, this text is it's just it's so important and it's it's well worth reading. And we you know we tried to give this kind of like like this meta um uh, structure by which to then read the text with this one. Like sometimes it works best to like go through them, you know, a little bit, but, uh, but this, I think is, um, the, the text is at war with itself. And that's maybe the most important thing to take. That's certainly been our, our claim. I, I think that's right. I think, it. I think it's right. You know, and it, it's interesting because in, in, I think it's the last paragraph or penultimate paragraph. He even <clears throat> like his expression of this, so, it's something like the thesis of the work, right? He says mm. the pleasure principle seems actually to serve the death drive, right? Or yep. death drive instincts is the translation. But mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and uh, even the way he puts it, right? Like seems actually, yeah. Uh, it's like he's not sure. He kind of mm-hmm. thinks it does. And and you know what's interesting though is Eros has dropped out of that statement, and it's just pleasure right. principle and death drive in relation to each other, which I. I think they are in relation. So mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right that, that it is like th- that it's, it's the work more than any other that Freud wrote where he's at war with himself and can't, and, and is trying to, you know, he's, 
I think he wins the war because he gets the idea out there. But right, it right, still, right. It's, a, it's still an immense struggle, I think. Yeah, and it's and it is uh, in some ways performative in the entire point because it really is very much to the detriment of like you know most of the earlier work, save for like some some ideas that he um, didn't incorporate. Like he could have made everything consistent with the death drive, but it did not because it, like and and really again like this is this is important. Like it, it, it he struggled with it because it's an idea that to really really take seriously to really, really, really take it seriously. Like, it blows up uh, so many of his assumptions. So many uh, of his and, own, right, right. Yeah, but also yeah. everybody else's, right? Like, we all yes. think we act for mastery. We just... Yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah. So. And he can't, he can't do it. And it's... So it's really interesting, this, this text, because it puts Freud in this, I think, a really interesting position where he tries very hard to be a scientist and to make this a, a scientific theory of the mind. And what he finds again and again is that sciences that cannot explain this phenomenon that is beyond the pleasure principle. Right. So it's, yeah, it's not, so it's not, so he's not, he's not a scientist. And then I also think, you know, he's not completely philosopher because he tries so hard. Like he doesn't, science is not straw man here. Science is not like, Oh, look at how weak science is at explaining this. It's like, no, no, no. He wants, he wants it to explain at least partially. He wants some, some basis at least because then he could go to it and, uh, and, and, and develop some sort of cure. So it's it's not, it's not quite philosopher only. It's like, we were talking this before, right? It's not quite Rick Boothby, right? It's not quite Rick Boothby. No, right. No, Rick is much more, uh, uh, if Freud was a philosopher, it would be Rick Boothby. I think that's exactly, exactly Right. right. It's, it's, What's happening here, and I think this is a position that Freud finds uncomfortable because he is forced into it, is that he becomes a, this is like what, what I would say, um, I think I think you agree with me on this, um, he's an aestheticist of the psyche. Absolutely. So he's not, Absolutely. not scientist, not philosopher, but he's an aestheticist of the psyche, which makes him, for us, it makes him a, a theorist. Right. Like in the, right. in the way that we, we do this on the, that, that's what the... What what theory does is it is a an aesthetics of subjectivity, which is why I like our examples have been political and and, and filmic, right? And, right, right? And 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 personal, anecdotal, like throughout right, this right, thing is, right, is, is, is like right. this is this is the I think this is the first is this the first work of theory, Todd? I, I, it, I think that's a, I like the claim. I like the I claim. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. like it. Well, okay, so what's the lesson, Ryan? Oh, the lesson is uh, watch in the mood for love. Watching the mood for love. Wow. Okay. Yes. I think I think you're, you're out of the blue with that lesson. That's really good. Okay. <laughs> I think it's okay. it's the great it's the yeah, great you're, lesson, I, you're the great, absolutely the great correct. repetition compulsion. You're absolutely correct. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely correct. Yeah. 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 Over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd. 